welcome to the Rock Music Alliance interview sessions. I am your host, Cole Coleman. On the show today, you know his voice from Rainbow, Alcatraz, Michael Shanker Group, and more. When we come back, I'll be speaking with Graham Bonnet and Bethany Heavenstone. Attention guitar players, join the Thimble Slide Revolution and free your slide finger. With its patented shape, you can slide and fret while wearing the Thimble Slide. Visit thimbleslide.com. That's thimbleslide.com. We're back, and I'm speaking with Graham Bonet and Bethany Heavenstone. Hey, I like the way you say my name. I always pronounce it Bonnet because uh, if I ever said Bonet, he would uh, kind of laugh at me and point and say, Bonnet. So I guess my first question is, how do I pronounce your name? <laughs> I heard that when I was in Rainbow, it sounded so grand, you know. Uh, Don Airy, Richie Blackmore, and Graham Bonnet. And I turned to the guys and said, who the hell's that? You know, but it's Bonnet. I say Bonnet, and you say either, and I say I. I got it. It's a yeah. funny name. It is French, and that's the correct way. Right, right. Well, clearly you're English, so we've got to use the English pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were invaded by the French, you know, back in uh, when I was a young kid. <laughs> the Normans. I was invaded by the French, but it was only for a short period of time, and then we went home. <laughs> my, my. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, that was a good one. You're going to raise the blood temperature here. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, guys, the first thing I like to ask people is like, well, Graham, what are you doing right now? What's your latest projects? What have you been doing since No Bad Habits and the book? Wow. You've been right back to that? God, that's always on my own. But right now, no, I love that album, by the way. I was really proud of that because of the people that played on it and whatever, because it was all uh, different kinds of songs, different genre. It wasn't sort of heavy rock or whatever, but it was real musicians, and I was very lucky to do that. But now, can we tell them what we're doing? Yeah. Or we keep it a secret? Well, you, it's, it's your thing. Yeah, okay. Well, um, we are, at this very moment, uh, writing new songs for a new album, which will be evolving, of course, Bethany, me, and our old guitar player. Conrado Pestinato. She so said it right. We did, we did two albums for Frontiers, with the three of us being the core of the band. And it was a three-album deal. Um, Graham recently did an Alcatraz album for the first time in a zillion years on a different label. And that actually was, I think, released yesterday. Yeah, 31st. Um, but he had to finish <clears throat> this one album that he had with Frontiers, you know, an obligatory thing. And... I think um, his former manager was like, just throw him a bone, you can do whatever you want. But um, he asked me to play on it as well as our original guitar player. So it's kind of yeah. like old home week. It's, it's like the family again. It's really nice. It That's is really right. Well, it sounds like you have multiple things going on. Well, first, let me congratulate you on the release of the new Alcatraz album. That's terrific. Thank you. Yeah. Have you got uh, all of it? <laughs> Not yet. Yes. No, I, there are some good songs on there, you know, I, I think. Um, I probably have like four favorites, but that's about it. It's, um, I guess we're trying to be like we were back in the day, so to speak. And I think that sound is there, but it also sounds modern, you know. It's, uh, it, was, uh, it was a hard process, really, getting these songs together. It took a while, but I think it's okay. And I hope that Alcatraz fans will like it. I think they will. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they will. It's been a while since there's been any new music. Can you tell us a little bit about the recording? Um, was it done here in Los Angeles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all like, you know, done by mail, like everybody else does. You know, you do it from your bedroom or your shit house or whatever you like. Right, so, right. But nobody was actually in the same room at the same time. It's yeah, like, that... it's been going on for years, you know, I've always done stuff by, by email, you know. So they send me the track. I do my vocal, send the track to the bass player to, usually the drummer starts first. So we have a, a you know, rough uh, you know, demo of the song with probably an acoustic or something, and the drummer will work it out and do some really nice licks. And then we pass it on to the rest of the band. I'm sure every band in the world does that it, that way, yeah. you know. Yeah. You don't That's... have to see their guys, you know. You don't have to be in bed with each other. So <laughs> Isn't it amazing, though, that like in today's digital recording world, you can be in separate parts of the world and still do tracks? Absolutely. Did I hear you say that uh, you wrote some songs for it? W- was it just you writing or? Yeah, who, who well, it was, uh, you know, as usual, the guitar player, sometimes the keyboard player and, and me, the singist, the singer. Right. So, but, or singist, guitarist, singist. So that's what we that's the way I've always done it. And I write all my songs on the phone. So I've got my little phone there with all the tracks and the guys who say, how can you hear that? Right. So I've been doing it for like, you know, however little phones like this have been happening with the screen and the DVD. So it's easy. It's, yeah. I find it easier than having it blasting at me. You know? mm-hmm. So it's usually, yeah, guitar player, singer, mostly. Like, you know, if back in the day with uh, Richie Blackmore and Ingray Malmsteen, etc., Michael, uh, Michael, I almost said Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Schenker. <laughs> not Michael Schenker. Paul McCallum, you the song with Michael That would have been a heck of a collaboration. Yeah, it would be fun. But I mean, that's, I think every singer works that way, you know, with anyone you can think of, I think. Yeah. Uh, Beth, did you record bass tracks on the new Alcatraz album? I actually declined playing mm. with Alcatraz. It just was, I did the last, you know, we rebranded Alcatraz for like a year and it became such an unpleasant experience because mm. I'm not fond of my other bandmates that I just said, I'm escaping Alcatraz. I'm escaping from Alcatraz. I don't want to play on this. I thought I did. I thought, oh, you know, what a great legacy to leave behind. And then I thought, fuck that. Uh. You know, I don't like you. <laughs> I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> that was that. So I quit. Well, well, that's interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that in a way, but, you know, perhaps there's always a way back in, right? Well, I, I, you know, the thing is, for me, Graham reached out to me like eight years ago or something and said, oh, you know, I'm always looking for new bands. And I didn't really know much about him. And I, I, I thought, oh, well, maybe he's producing, you know, and it's that guy from Rainbow. So we started talking and then we became friends. We realized really early on that we each had a son with autism and that sort of galvanized us. And hmm. um, so he said, hey, I, you know, I invited him to play um, a show at the Whiskey with my band and he came off stage that night and said, that was so much fun. I want to be in a band with you. And that's kind of how this got started. And for me, I'd been just been playing casually for like 20 years. I wasn't really looking for to make it a career or whatever, hmm. but um, he, you know, he'd gone to, was it Brazil or Japan with, his version know. of Alcatraz then. It might have been Brazil. And um, he came back and he said, okay, I quit my band, let's get to work. And I was like, uh, I oh. fired myself. You know, and I'm a single mom with two special needs kids. And I'm like, okay. 
And then the rest is history. You know, I just, it, not only did we become best friends and eventually more, but it was such a um, fulfilling experience musically. Graham, you know, I'm, I'm his biggest fan. I, I, you know, I've watched the process from, you know, start to finish uh, when we record and tour and everything. And he fascinates me because he's, you know, I don't, this is going to have like a negative connotation and I, I hate to use this word, but I can't think of another one, but he's kind of like a savant. He's amazing. He writes these incredible songs. And I do. He, and he's so sweet giving everybody else credit, but let's, you know, he's definitely the, the powerhouse behind that, the writing process. And, you know, he's such a great singer and a great player. He plays amazing bass for one thing. And, and he's I a do. great guitar player. And, Not anymore. Well, I'm out of practice. So, so you yeah, know, love for, for me, it's I've always been like, I'm just going to stand behind you and watch this happen. I, it, <laughs> it was never about me, which is why it was easy to walk away. But, um, and then a few months ago, he said, listen, you know, I'd like you to play on this other record because, number one, I want you to play on the song I wrote about you. And I had asked him to please write a song for a girlfriend of mine that passed away suddenly. And he had written a song about our sons. He's like, I wanted to play on these songs because you're a part of them. So I said, okay. And once that happened, I mean, we both just felt happy for the first time in so long. It was, it was happy because we didn't have the influence of the other people around. It was just us. And it felt yeah. good. And uh, it's, I'm doing music for the right reason again, which is I love it. It makes me happy. There's no money in this industry. I don't, I don't do it for money. I never did. Although I, I was touring, I was actually losing money. You know, yeah. so yeah. it was cheap. I made more money staying home. So yeah, it's it's such a sad thing that the music industry in general has become a negative income industry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially you know, depending on who's handling your money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When we first started, I managed the band, and I was you know, it wasn't bad then, but it <laughs> started tanking after that. Um, <laughs> but but I digress. Playing yeah. music with Graham, it. it it made me happy. It really did. And I'm just happy that we are, we have the opportunity to do this again. Thank you, Donna. <laughs> so I heard that on this new album, uh, I heard that you were going to try to get tracks with Bob Kulik and, and Steve Vai. Uh, did that take place? Yes. Uh, so Bob wrote two of the songs with me, obviously. Uh, and also Steve had one song for me. We, he actually sent us, I think, like 60 songs. And uh, we chose the best of a, a bunch, and uh, that's what we did. Steve didn't play on the track because, I don't know, he was doing other things. So Joe Stump, our guitar player, imitated Steve's playing, and he wouldn't make a difference. But, then, but anyway, the song was very good, and it's called uh, Dirty Light City. You know, the way, I, I love the way Steve plays, actually. And uh, what was the thing? Uh, oh, uh, Bob. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, God rest his soul. Yeah, we, we, I could yeah. not believe what I heard, you know, a month or two ago, whatever it was. And Bob gone. I mean, he was so full of life and such a lunatic, you know, and <laughs> everybody kind of loved him. And then they kind of hated him because he, he wouldn't stop being this guy who presses forward. Come on, got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. <laughs> he was really trying to do something that he never, he tried to, tried to reach something that he never got hold of, you know, and he's a great player, but he was always that guy that never quite made it. A bit like me. I, I, that's how I feel about me. I, I never, I was, was in these very famous bands for a while, you know, with Rainbow, for instance, and it gave me a great platform to, for the future. 
Uh, and Alcatraz, we put that together, and that worked very well. Then, as years went on, it died. However, I'd just like to say one thing. Richie Blackmore, if you're watching, it, it, he, I have hard. really long it's, hair now. I have I, never, I've been to the barber for about, God, how many months is it? it well, we've been locked up since March. Yeah. I'm afraid of going to a barber, because you know my hair's usually very short. Well, it's short, short on top, but it's all this, all this stuff. It's like, uh, like a, what do you call it? A, a mullet. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't think of the name. Well, I, I keep asking her to clip these ends off. I'm like, no, but, but I'm doing it. Because I've done it before and I screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> so Richie, if uh, Richie Blackmore sees any of this or hears about this, just tell him, I've grown long hair now. He was always saying it on the road. And it became a big deal with him because uh, one reason or another. And he said, I remember Cozy Powell used to call me the bank manager because I had this short bloody hair. And uh, everybody else, well, he said, you look like a Vegas, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> Comedian or something. So whatever, that is me. Because I was very much into rock and roll. 1950s style, and that was <laughs> yeah. how I dressed, comb my hair back, you know, the whole bit. Uh, I used to have very long hair, but when I was in the studio, I found myself doing this all the time, and my um, wife at the time said, why don't you just cut your hair? So you don't yeah. have to keep doing this. Because my, my hair was down to my waist, or not. And um, so I cut my hair so the headphones weren't bugging me, and eventually I thought, yeah, this looks better. So I kept it short. Well, you know, the one thing I've noticed with rock audiences is that once you start performing, if you deliver the goods, they're okay with your appearance. It's like, like, like when you open your mouth and start belting out a tune, you're fine. Yeah, it's, uh, I didn't like the uniform because the uniform that uh, so-called rock guys wear, you know, it's the, the tight shirt on the spandex back then. You know, I'm talking about in the lace-up thingy. I mean, every band looked the same with women's hairdo, women's clothes. Um, I didn't want to look like that. Right, you know, right. I of women's clothes they wore. You know, the high heel boots and the blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's the first show I did with, um, with Rainbow. Uh, I remember some guys coming up front and going, you know, where's Ronnie, etc." And, fuck, you know, this was going on. And... Uh, we started and the guys sort of went, you know, they were surprised at what we sounded like, the band and I. I was very, very lucky to have Cozy and Don and Richie. You know, it was just amazing. Roger Glover playing bass. What about, you couldn't fail, you know. And so when I started singing, these guys gave me the finger. I went, after a couple of songs, uh, uh, I went down front and sat on the edge of the stage where these guys were giving me the finger. And we sang, will you still love me tomorrow? <laughs> right at their face, you know, because they were really angry that I didn't have the hair and the stuff. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't relate to me because they were, they were a different sort of generation, if you will. The hair was down here. I, I got over long hair back in 1970, you know. Right. So I sang them, will you still love me tomorrow? And they, they just started smiling. They liked me after that. Yep, you had to win them over, and you did. Let's pause here, and we'll be right back after a word from the Rock Music Alliance and the RMA Awards for rock, metal, and prog music. It's time that rock music has its own awards, the RMA Awards, its own scholarships, charity events, and more. And only you can make it happen by joining the Rock Music Alliance and voting in the RMA Awards. 
you can join as either a musician, an industry professional, or if you just love rock music, you can join as a patron of rock. Everyone can join, and everyone gets to vote. Join the Rock Music Alliance. Go to rockmusicalliance.com. That's rockmusicalliance.com. I'm Tony Kay. Join the Rock Music Alliance. We're back with Graham Bonnet. Graham, I'm really glad you got Bob Kulik on there. As it turns out, that's his uh, his last studio appearance. We were very lucky to have him. Bob's always been a great writer and an amazing guitar player. And uh, when I I did two of his songs because I loved the way he wrote, and it was very easy for me to think of a subject for the songs. <laughs> although, Bob, oh, yeah. although Bob being Bob, he he never understood. Uh, the poetry in the in the uh, songs, and he always used to say to me, "What's that about? What does that mean?" <laughs> it was a Michael Shanker song. It's called uh, the Desert Song, and uh, the words are, "We're sailing ships across the desert." Da, 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 da. All that kind of like, well, it has a double meaning, but it doesn't. And he just didn't get it. So this song he wrote with me um, was about basically having sex, and he got he got in touch with somebody or other and said. We've got to change the words to that. He, he got in touch with me. Yeah, and what did he say? Well, first, let me preface he it. He didn't get saying, it. I've known Bob since I was a teenager, because I'm from New York. So I've, I, I've literally known him that long. And um, we hadn't spoken in a while, and then we played together, which was really nice with Graham. And yeah. he phoned me up, and he's like, okay. And he, he's not really direct, so I wasn't understanding what he meant. What he If he had said... I don't like these lyrics and I got this other guy and I want to write something different. If he'd said it like that, I would have said, well, Graham doesn't do other people's lyrics unless you're Russ Ballard, so, so that won't happen. <laughs> um, but he got really angry with me and with Graham and I, and I left him a message. I texted him, I said, it's, it's, you know, there's nothing nefarious going on. I just misunderstood you. Neither one of us knew that you wanted to change lyrics or we would have said that's not going to happen and he was really angry he left a really really angry message which i didn't listen to until yeah. the day i found out he had passed mm. and it made me so sad that that was my last contact with him you know he wanted this other person to rewrite and his lyrics were i thought they were really sexy and brilliant you know because he does have he's very evocative when he writes and beautiful imagery i knew exactly what he meant Yep, and Bob thought it's about Donald Trump, didn't he? And it's about sex, it's about having sex with a girl and rolling in the sheets and all that kind of stuff. But very upfront, I use the word, you know, like uh, uh, erection. Um, so it's very truthful. But it's a picture of a penis. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about throwing the girl to the sheets and having sex. And what she does and what, how she reacts to having sex with a man. It's not necessarily me, it's about somebody else. Couldn't be about anyone. But Bob said, how can we do a song about Donald Trump? I do not know how we, <laughs> to, how we changed having sex to Donald Trump. Uh, that was Strange. Bob. Misunderstood yeah. Those were everything. the antithesis of one another. Bob, you know, bless his heart. He was just, just yeah. never, he couldn't understand words unless it was written by, um, you know, somebody who played, you know, who wrote for Kiss. You know, like uh, lick it up, you know, lick it up. All, right. all that kind of very obvious schoolboy lyrics, you know what I mean? So yeah, that was him. Gotcha. And he wanted gotcha. to be a teenager, although he was my age. Or, no, he's a bit younger than me, but a little bit. So, Graham, 
Take us back in time a little bit here. I've heard your beginnings were in much more of an R&B vocal style, and you had your first hit when you were just 21 years old with The Marbles, right? So were The Marbles in that song more of a, in a pop style uh, or R&B style? It's kind of R&B. It was me and my cousin, Trevor Gordon. We were like a, a duo, duet, if you will. And uh, they called us at the time, they called us uh, the British Righteous Brothers, you know, Unchained Melody and all that. And uh, the, the song was written by Barry Gibb because my cousin used to be in the Bee Gees in Australia. The Bee Gees old manager happened to be in the audience. And he came up to my cousin and said, Trevor, I think Barry and Robin and Marsh would love to see you now you're over here in England. And that's how it happened. Trevor went over to Barry's house and he, he came back and he said to me, do you want to come and meet the guys in the Bee Gees? I said, absolutely. And that's how we got a thing going. And Barry wrote this song called Only One Woman, which did really great for us. It was a sort of R&B kind of thing like the... Uh, like the uh, Righteous Brothers, very soulful. So what was the path from the marbles to singing for Rainbow? How did that come about? Yeah, well, what happened was I had a lot of, a lot, uh, a couple of solo albums that did very well in Australia. And uh, one of the songs I covered on there was uh, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow, that thing. Right. And uh, uh, I think Roger Glover, who was producing, because he worked with friends of mine in London, got hold of the album and played it to uh, Rich, and Richie just loved when he still loved me tomorrow. It's one of his things. Richie heard this song I recorded, and uh, he liked the way I sang it, and said, well, you know, come for an audition for the, you know, to replace Ron. Now, so that's what happened. I went over to the sing when he still loved me tomorrow, but I sang a song called Mistreated, and they played it a couple of times, and I didn't do it on microphone. Uh, and they said, well, my God, we're in this big room in a, a chateau, in a chateau in France. And uh, <laughs> Don Airy said to me, my God, Graham, you know, your voice is amazingly loud, but this time sing it on microphone. Yes, yes, I've heard you're actually really loud. You have a loud speaking voice. You know why? Yeah, <laughs> but you know why I was off mic? Because I, I thought, I'm not going to really do this. Then I'll, I'll freak out and get all stupid and sing it wrong and go out of tune. So I didn't use the microphone, you know, because I knew they would hear me. But as soon as yeah. that sound, but I got a very loud speaking voice. And I, yeah. So fast forwarding from there, how did Alcatraz come about? What was the genesis for that? Yeah, well, I was... Uh, I was in Rainbow for almost two years, I think, approximately. And um, I, Cozy Powell left the band, and I wanted to leave the band too, so I did. Because I, Cozy was like one of my best friends in the band, and Don Airy was going to leave also. But what happened was I went back to LA, and they called me and said, where are you? Uh, I said, well, I'm in LA. I said, Don's left the band, no? No, Don is still with the band. But Cozy left the band. Yeah, yeah, Cozy's gone. Uh, but um, so Don stayed and I was like in trouble because I thought, oh, hell, you know, I've left this band that's doing great. And um, they said to me, would we get another singer to sing the songs you don't like? And then you sing the songs you do like. What sort of made no, no sense because we didn't have any songs, you know, at that point. We'd been rehearsing. Nobody's here at rehearsal. Richie wouldn't turn up or whatever. Cozy wasn't there. He'd go home, to, back to England. And um, it was just like, I felt the band was going down the shitter, you know. 
And so I thought, well, if I leave now, this band's going to break up anyway. But it didn't. They got Joe Lynn in, and uh, they had great success with Joe, which is great, fantastic, you know. But I was, I was wrong to leave when I did, I think, you know. Mm. Just because my friends, Cozy, left, mm. I went with him kind of thing. So the Castle Donington thing was the last thing we did. And I'm very proud of that. And very proud of being in that band with uh, Cozy Powell, and Richie Blackmore, Don Airy. What, what a great unit. Well, uh, let me ask you this, uh, if I may. Uh, let's talk a little Civil War for a moment. I heard that for a time there was actually two Alcatraz bands going on. And I was wondering, with your new lineup, you know, with Waldo and Shea back in, is that now over? Is it just one band now? And while you guys were apart, did the other Alcatraz produce any music? And will you be doing that in the new band? Um, I did the same thing. I was going out with a sort of phony Alcatraz, not not the one we did with St- uh, Joe Stunt, but before, way before I met Bethany, we were going out with uh, Harry Simon, the guitar player, and Tim Luce, who's our bass player. And we had different drummers just about every week. And we went out as Alcatraz. And um, I had a phone call from Gary Shea, the bass player from Alcatraz, the original guy. And uh, he was really bitter and said, hey, Graham, what's up? You can't go out using your name, I see, because at first we used Graham Bonnet then. It didn't work. Nobody knew who the fuck I was. So I said to the other guys, let's go out as Alcatraz because we're playing Alcatraz music. Why not? And they, uh, Jimmy Waldo and Gary Shea, had their own Alcatraz in Boston or wherever they were at the time. So I thought, well, why not? I wrote the bloody songs, for Christ's sakes. Let's go out as Alcatraz. And we did sort of very, it was all right, but not great. And then you find years later, like now, people are big Alcatraz fans. And Alcatraz has been dead for a million years, as far as I'm concerned, you know. But it's, uh, that was now, this is then. Well, it, it looks like it's going to get back out there now. Uh, do you guys have plans to tour? Uh, well, yeah. But do you think we are? I don't think so. I don't think anything's going to happen for... Years. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a little wild with this virus out there. But we're working together, me, Bethany, and our guitar player, Conrado. Oh, that's just folly. Conrado, she's a very good boy. I love you. <laughs> uh, so, Conrado, me, and Bethany are starting something which. Well, um, we're just it, having yeah, a really good time. We're just happy to be together playing and <clears throat> recording. And, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm not too concerned about the future because I'm. I'm planning on locking down for another year. I don't think this virus is going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. You know, that's one thing great about music is as long as you can get together a home digital studio, you can continue to create. Exactly. Yeah. I also noticed, uh, Graham, that you've done quite a bit of guesting with other projects. Uh, how was it guesting with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra? Hey, oh, yeah, that was blimey. You're really going back now, are you? Yeah, Gary. <laughs> it was Gary Moore, Don Airy. Oh, my God. Phil Collins was Phil Collins on it, I think. It was the London Royal Philharmonic Orchestra doing the music of The Police. Yeah, Police. And uh, I, I heard the track and I thought, what the hell is that? I had no idea what that song was. What song was it? Uh, in all, um, truth Hits Everybody. Uh, truth Hits Everybody. That's the track. And I've never heard of it, and I bet you've never heard of it either. No, it's a very unknown song. But they wanted to do some songs with um, uh, 
Chris Thompson from uh, Man From Man. They went, oh, you'd be great seeing, uh, you know, do 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 The two of you must, oh, I can't. Yeah, I was out of it. I'm, I'm ashamed of it. But at the same time, I'm glad that I'm not like that anymore. You know, I've grown up a little bit and now I can see every day clearly instead of through a alcoholic haze. You know? I hear you. I so, hear you. But anyway, that was, but it turned out okay. Somehow, that album. <laughs> so here in Hollywood, do you ever take part in or just go to the ultimate jam at the whiskey? Oh, yeah, yes, we did a couple of times. Um, was that last year, this year, the year? Oh, no, we did. The first one was like five years ago. Five years we ago. We did another one like two years ago. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so we do all that thing as well as uh, go out and be very grand. You know, it's, uh, we never go out. Well, you know, to uh, festivals. That's what I do best, I think, is the festival because whoever's headlining, we get the same audience, you know. They're a captive. There's got to be a lot of musicians there that you know, right? Like, you probably know Chuck Wright. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's one thing I love about the Ultimate Jam Night is uh, that it reminds me of where I grew up. Uh, I I grew up more or less in Hermosa Beach and the Torrance area, and we had a nightclub down there called The Rain Tree. And The Rain Tree was awesome in that it was the local musicians hangout. And you you could go there any night of the week and you'd run into guys like Jack Russell from Great White and uh, or guys from Kingdom Come or Don Dawkins and George Lynch, you know, and any night of the week you could go there and see some great musicians and, and music. And so it was a fun place to go. And uh, there was also good live bands. Uh, and it was the kind of place that you wanted to perform well because your audience was these guys. So uh, Ultimate Jam reminds me of those days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, guys, uh, let's pause our conversation here and we'll be right back after a word from the Rock Music Alliance. Hey, I'm Cole Coleman, here to talk a little bit about the Rock Music Alliance. The Rock Music Alliance is an international organization of musicians, industry, and those of the public who are patrons of rock. Our main focus is to produce the RMA Awards for rock, metal, and prog music. And you can be a part of it all. When you join the Rock Music Alliance, you can send in music entries for yourself and your favorite established artists. And you get to vote in the RMA Awards. So join the Rock Music Alliance and be a part of it all. Don't wait. Be proactive. Join and vote. Go to rockmusicalliance.com. That's rockmusicalliance.com. This is Johnson Pesta from The Cult. Join the Rock Music Alliance. Yeah! We're back, and we just had somebody pop in to say hello, Claudio Pesavento. Oh, my oh. brother. Hello. Hey. Hello. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> he's, not, he's not talking to us. Like, I know that song, yeah. since, you, since You'll Be Gone. Oh, shut up. <laughs> That's wrong. You got the words wrong. <laughs> yeah, Graham, uh, I bet you're a little tired of that song, eh? Um, since you've been gone. What did you say? Are you tired since you're gone? I, am I tired of it? I've recorded like four times with different bands. You know, <laughs> changing the key, making the key higher, making it lower, making it, you know, everything you can. I did it with Chris in Pelotero, yeah. I think. It's a great song, though, uh, since you've been gone. It is, but it's... You know, I like the original version from way back. You know, yeah. you can't repeat that because at the time you're recording it, it's exciting, it's new, and all that kind of thing. And, you know. 
I also noticed that uh, you've done some singing with Chris and Pelletieri. Uh, do you guys keep in touch at all? So, uh, yeah, we keep in touch. Well, he wrote a song for the album. You say Chris wrote a song for the album? Yeah, it was a song for the album. Well, that's cool. Good to be on there. Hey, Bethany, I did want to ask you a couple things. Uh, what inspired you to get into playing the bass? Um, a boyfriend left one behind. I moved to LA, transferred east to LA, um, and I was waiting to establish residency, and I met a group of girls who could barely play. And I lied, I said I had stage experience, and um, I got a tape, and I practiced for two weeks. I auditioned on a Tuesday, and I played the following Monday to a full house. We opened for um, Jailhouse. Jailhouse. Yeah, I, I remember Jailhouse. I had never been on stage before. I had no clue what I was doing. I played in a band called Bootleg. And that was it. Just derailed everything. I, we ended up getting a development deal. And then I, um, I, I, I'd been introduced to Bootleg. They were an offshoot of Hardly Dangerous. And after six months, she said, now you're ready. And she pulled me into Hardly Dangerous. And I still will play to her, with Hardly Dangerous with her. She took lessons with Chris Choir, too. Yeah, yeah, and John Entwistle, yeah. and Lemmy. I've had lessons from everybody. Wow, that's amazing. I used to be pretty. <laughs> oh, now she's looking at the compliments. No, 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 but I mean, that's why everybody's like, oh, you're a bass player, let me teach you. I'm like, it was so wasted on me because I was brand so every, I wish I every, had every, now. Everybody wanted to teach her. Every, well, yeah, everybody I, I, wanted to teach me. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe some of it rubbed off on you after all, you know, but but at the very least, you got to meet those guys, you know, uh, Chris Squire, John Ed Whistle, and who else? Yeah. Lemmy. Lemmy, Lemmy. Yeah, and, and Beth, they're all gone. I know. Those guys are all gone. I, so, I mean, At least you got to meet those guys. Oh, more than meet. I mean, I, I like to say we were friends, you know. Yeah. Especially Lemmy. I, I met Lemmy. I've, I've actually known Lemmy's son even longer. I met him in, I think, 1980. I met Lemmy, I met Paul in 83 and Lemmy in 84. And Lemmy was always so kind to me. He was such a sweet person. Yeah, Lemmy was a cool guy. Uh, I, I met most of those guys uh, after concerts, uh, but I met Lemmy uh, down at NAM show, usually down around the Coffin Case booth. Right. The rainbow was the place, really. I, you know, I, I wish I, I should have written down, <laughs> you know, what transpired because I was literally drunk from 1989 to 1993. So I don't really remember all that much, but I had a really <laughs> funny experience. A couple of years ago, I have a girlfriend that was a production manager and she asked me, would you do me a favor and just videotape yourself asking Tom Morello a question for a master class thing? And I said, okay, no problem. And so I asked Grant, what would be a good question to ask? And I had our manager film me. I sent it to my friend and she phoned me back. Or she, yeah, she phoned me. She goes, oh my God, when we showed the clip to Tom, he was so excited. He said, my God, that's Bethany. I didn't even know I knew Tom Morello. I have no recollection of knowing <laughs> But you know, it's funny. He and I have stayed in touch as well since then. And I know now, he's, I call him friend now. Now, I, I heard uh, you say earlier that you're from New York, but I read in an article that you were born in Philly. Philly. Born in Philadelphia. Okay. Well, did you start playing bass back there at all, or did that just happen here in Los Angeles? I started playing a little bit in New York, but I, you know, I had zero experience. I still have the bass. It was a 1966 non-reverse Thunderbird, and it was Danny from Faster Pussycat that I think he felt guilty and he left me this gorgeous instrument, which I don't use in a live setting ever. I'm saving it. I'm going to put a kid through college with that. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, so it was more when I got here because I never did go to UCLA. I just, I never went back to school. This was way more fun. Yeah, it's it's really something. Uh, you can plan to go to school out here or whatnot, but if you're a rock musician and you start hanging out in Hollywood, you're going to be meeting people who will help you and shape your career. Well, like you, you got pulled into a band pretty quickly and off you go, you know? I was actually majoring in Asian languages with a focus on Japanese. Wow. Yeah. And um, I still speak a bit. It's been a while. I don't, you know, I'm, I was... Closer to fluency, I would say back then. Now I can get a, order a meal and you know get us directions. Well, at least you can remember some of that, and and those are tough languages. Hey, you mentioned earlier that you are laying down some bass tracks, but it's not on Alcatraz. So is that your own project? I mean, it's Grand Bonnet. It's the third album, a deal that we signed with Frontiers. That was the Grand Bonnet band. I think we should just call it Grand Bonnet. You know. And that's great. I'm glad you're you're tracking it. Well, guys, that brings us to the end of our time for this episode. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, it's time for a song. No song. Yeah, I think uh, this album will be interesting because, uh, as Bethany was saying, a lot of the tunes on there are very personal family things. It doesn't sound very rock and roll, but the songs are very rock. And, um, you know, I think uh, it's going to be good. Uh, I think it's going to be great. We've got uh, some special guests. And I, I guess I can... Who can we say? Well, we have, do you know Mike and John Tempesta? Yes, I do. Okay, yeah. so they're good buds. They're, they're family friends. Uh, yeah, he was just on the show, uh, John Tempesta. He was on the episode just before you. I, I've known yeah. this guy for, those guys forever. And in fact, Mike is my daughter's godfather. Like we're, we're very, our families are tight. Anyway, so they're going to guest on a song or two. Yeah, you guys know quite a few people, so you must have an amazing list of players that you can call from. So I hope you bring in some some key players. Yeah, yeah. we've got some some things up our sleeve that yeah, could be better. We're looking for the drummer and the keyboard player, or possibly a second guitar player. It's, you know, just people we, who are well, known we, and good. Yeah, now we have, without saying anything yet, without releasing any info, we have another drummer on board who, it's very exciting. Um, and we're going to try to get some guests that are sort of, uh, linked to his past to, you know, and some, cool. also some young books. Sounds like it's going to be great guys. Good luck recording it. And I hope we can check it out here when it gets released. All right, man. Well, thanks to you both for being on the show. Thanks for having you us. You too. Thanks, man. That's it for my conversation today with Graham Bonnet and Bethany Heavenstone. Keep in touch with Graham on his Facebook page and all things Graham Bonnet at GrahamBonnetOfficial.com. Visit Thimbleslide.com for the guitar slide that frees your finger. It allows you to slide and fret while wearing it. And visit RockMusicAlliance.com and join the Rock Music Alliance so you can vote in the RMA Awards. For the Rock Music Alliance, I'm Cole Coleman. Be well, stay well, and join the Rock Music Alliance.